I'll tell you good morning, good afternoon, and good night. And I tell you that because I don't know when you're going to listen to this. But if you're listening live, this is your boy, your friend, your buddy, your pal, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you as I do every single Friday morning on my show, Philanthropy in Focus. And I pause dramatically when I speak because I want you to hear what I'm saying. The show is called Philanthropy in Focus. Every Friday, I bring to you leaders of nonprofit organizations. If you know anything about your boy, Tommy D., my wife said to me the other day, Joe, she says, uh, when are you going to stop being your boy, Tommy D? I said, never. When I'm when I'm old and gray and lost all my hair, I'm still going to be your boy, Tommy D. And I don't know if I'll still be coming from the attic, but you know how it is, Joe Turner, right? Yeah, it's a term of affection. That's what I feel, you know, like my brother. When you say, this is my boy, yes. as opposed to saying like your son, oh, this is my boy. But yeah. like my boy is is my cut buddy. It's like somebody's... You put an arm around. Ring the doorbell. Just what do you want me to bury the body? No questions. <laughs> hey, do you have a big trunk and do you have a shovel? What are we That's talking all. about? What Three are we talking about? in the morning? About? Let's go, Tommy. We're going. Wow. Wow. We went off the rails before we even got started today. <laughs> <laughs> so let me do what I do up front. And then I want you all to know and meet my friend, Joe Turner, CEO, co-founder of Exponents. Um, so look, I tell you guys this every single week. I tell you whenever I meet people, nonprofits change our world every second of every minute of every hour of every day. Last night, I was in my class with a cohort for the Institute for Nonprofit Practice. And uh, I, I'm touched and amazed by the work the nonprofit sector is doing. And I've done some work with the, the Long Island Imagine Awards, the New York City Imagine Awards. And I have something here because my friend Ken Serini, who's been on the show, Serini and Associates, founded the Imagine Awards, said, can you imagine a world without nonprofits? I ask you that. Take that with you over the weekend. Can you imagine a world without nonprofits? Who does the work that these organizations do? I would say it doesn't get done. So that's what I'm here to do. Every Friday, I'm more excited than normal. I had a lot of caffeine, and it's only 10 o'clock, and I just ran up the hill from my kid's school. They had the, the Halloween parade, which I had to get. I had to see each of the three kids that I got at that school real quick before I get here to the attic. Right. Where am I? The attic. Just right. below the roof, above the second floor. And this is where we amplify the message for nonprofit organizations. We do it every Friday. And uh, really, I just try to amplify messages for nonprofits all week long, all throughout my travels. So I want to do a little kind of taking care of business, as they say up front. Listen to the mission of Exponents to deliver these services through a client-centered, strength-based approach, which greatly improves health outcomes and promotes overall wellness in the communities. What sort of what sort of services? We're talking about those impacted by substance use and other chronic health conditions. We're talking about addiction. I, if I haven't shouted out, I haven't had a drink in 11 years, gang. Something I, I'm proud of and something I tell you all about. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. And I tell you that not because it's so great that I did it, but it's, I think it inspires other people. You can do incredible things when you want to and when you change what you're doing. So I want to tell you this. This is what I read off of the website. At Exponents, we meet people where they are, but we don't leave them there. That's incredibly important. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. So Joe Turner, co-founder, current CEO of Exponents, which is this 30-year community, 30-year-old community-based human services and harm reduction program. I want to know what you mean by harm reduction. We're going to talk about that. Drug treatment, recovery, wellness. It was founded in 1988. And since then, 11,000 lives have been impacted and graduated through the programming of Exponents. Straight out of Brownsville, never ran 
Never will, Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm reading what you sent me. My boy, Joe Turner. Uh, listen, inspired by the work that civil rights attorneys were doing and what he watched, he went to Hofstra Law out here on Long Island, practiced law in the fields of criminal justice, civil rights, and, and as well as in the general practice area, worked with the National Conference for of Black Lawyers and the Center for Constitutional Rights and Community Action for Legal Services. Uh, has soldiered for so, for social justice and uh, and compassion, human services, and recovery over the last thirty five years. Joe, here's what I want to before we even get started. First of all, thank you. Let's. I'm so fired up. Thank you for being here. Thank you for investing the time with me. Thank, thank you, you for what you do for community. I mean, I you know Regina Edwards has become a friend over the years. We we you know I have a, a standing relationship with this organization. I, I'm very passionate about the work you do, specifically a topic that is always in on my mind. It's mental health and, and, and really ending that stigma around mental health or maybe addressing the stigma. I don't know if we're going to end it, but we got to address that stigma. So the couple things I really want to just start with, how, how, did, how does this even happen? Like, I usually ask my guests and I say, welcome to the show. Were you always drawn to nonprofit? Were you always drawn to this type of work? In your case, I, I, the story might be different. So Take me back. This organization has been around for, for over 30 years. What is the genesis of this? How, how, does, how did you get involved? What, what was the, the, the catalyst in front of you that you, you said, there's an opportunity here. We need to address this. Start, let's just start there. Right. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for um, uh, not, just, not just inviting me on, but your support of the work that we do throughout the years. I mean, you're not, you just didn't talk to talk, you walked the walk, you showed up uh, at events, uh, supported us, and um, it, it means the world to us and that we continue um, this, this friendship and mutual support. And you know, when you were laying out what I did, I think one of the most important things uh, for me now, the reason that I'm here and not you know hungover in bed is that I'm also in a person of long-term recovery. Um, which I see evolves more and more into who I am. You know, it's like a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about not having a drink in 11 years. It's not that you, you didn't have a drink and just stayed who you are. This is just a, just a fantastic journey of self-discovery um, and, and, and mission and purpose. You know, somebody said the purpose, your purpose in life is to find out your purpose in life. Um, so I want to thank you. And, um, I stand right with you, you know, you. through through this journey. So, yeah, exponents. I mean, we started 33 years ago, uh, 1988. Uh, Howard Josepher uh, and myself, uh, co-founders. Howie had, uh, this was in lower Manhattan. Howie had received a grant from the National Institute of, um, it was called drug abuse back then. Look how the terms change. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, the language changes, you know, and we'll talk more about that. But we got a we got a small grant to provide risk reduction techniques to men coming home from prison. And this, I remind you, if you can think back and remember uh, the days of the stigma of HIV and AIDS, you know, first, the stigma that attached to scary. the scary was a scary time. Listen, it was scary. I'm a kid, so I, I'm born in 78. But I, I remember, you know, this was scary stuff, man. This was right. like, oh, you know, and you didn't know. Absolutely. You know, and sort of like coming of age, you know, I was a kid. But, right. you know, in 
you were you didn't know you were scared it was a scary yeah, yeah. Thing to talk about well, it. let me tell you you know i mean it, some parallels with covid in terms of you know where does it come from how do you get it so anyway lots of fear lots of stigma uh the first blame was laid on the gay community uh then uh the second blame was laid on haitians and then the third sounds familiar you know sort of the xenophobia yeah. and then the third was laid on people who use drugs sure. Yep. Um, so these were like the outliers of the population, you know, so the money didn't flow. The concern didn't flow. Even the medications did not flow and people were dying like flies. Um, so Howie and I both come out of the therapeutic community. You know, we both are graduates of Phoenix house. We went in there for our uh, addictions, started to work in the field. So, but what, the difference was in that going into treatment at that time in the 70s and 80s, you had to exhibit some willingness to stop using drugs. However, with the advent of AIDS, with our program, we started the program, was called the ARRIVE program. We could not wait for people to get sober before we gave this life-saving information. Right. So, so, so the thing was, Somebody had to be willing, you're saying, in historically, in historic terms to, but this was like, no, we don't have time for that right now. Like right, right. Triage. We have to save a life absolutely. and then move on to the and next. And then deal with, absolutely. And we took our cue, Tommy, from the gay community. And the gay community, if you remember the days of ACT UP, uh, if the, the days of the activists, uh, the gay community mobilized. They mobilized and uh, they said, look, we're not going to tell people to stop having sex. Can I say that on the program? You can certainly say it. It, it, it's part of X. Yeah, it's part of oh, life. Yeah, right. it's, yeah, it's healthy. <laughs> so, I know. But um, so they, their message was not to be abstinent of sex. They said, let's have safer sex. So we took that cue and said, look, you know, we can't demand people. You know, the, the, the choices were in terms of AIDS, it was it could not be abstinence or death. There had to be some middle ground. Mm-hmm. And that middle ground, we didn't call it harm reduction then, but now it was harm reduction. We had to reduce the harm that drugs did to people to meet folks where they where they are, give them a sense of agency and autonomy. What is that? Nobody, mean? Tommy, nobody, nobody wakes up. No, as a kid, the kids you saw on that parade, not one of those kids has the dream of 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 waking up in an abandoned building, being strung out on, on fentanyl or heroin. Nobody has that dream. So uh, we, we respect, uh, we always say people know themselves better than we do. So let's give, let's give energy to this, to this agency so they can be what they uh, want to be. And that's been our philosophy ever since. You know, you talk about the different use of language and how it's evolved over time. Right. And, and you, you know the word that it's, it's really rising for me is compassion. Yes, it, you know, we, you know, how are we not compassionate? That's someone's daughter. That's someone's son. That's maybe it's someone's parent. You know, we're not always compassionate. No, I mean, in the early days, if you look at the history of treatment, um, and you look at the history of, of substance use disorder, even back in the early days, the turn of the century. Um, you know, people were looked at drinking as have some type of moral deficiency. Talk about the uh, ice baths and the electroshock therapy 
the sanitariums. That was the only treatment. And it did not begin to change until 1935 with the introduction of Alcoholics Anonymous, of one alcoholic talking to another. Did more than all the therapists in the world or the psychiatrists. Um, uh, That was an engagement that was based on compassion. And it worked. Yeah. You know, uh, personally, I, I don't really talk too much about my personal journey in this regard, but I will tell you, I, I've not, I'm not in the program. I'm not in AA, but I'm aware of the incredible impact it's made for yes, hundreds, right. hundreds of millions of people across this planet. I mean, it's, it's, and it, but I think it is based on one of those tenets you're talking about there is it, the sponsor model there to have somebody to look out for you, man. Yeah. You know, my second ever show, and I don't know if you've ever met this individual, and then gang, right before, right after this, we're going to go to a quick break. But the second ever show we've ever, I've done here on the network was with my friend, uh, Dr. Larry Grubler, who is the CEO of Transitional Services for New York, which is a mental health agency mm-hmm. serving the five boroughs in New York City. And they serve right. 4,000 individuals each year. If you don't know Dr. Grubler, you should, and I'll work okay. that out that after i can't right. do it during the show i can't i as much as i want to connect people like in the middle of the show i actually have to do the show and then do the connection <laughs> so so um but you know we talked about support and that's yes. what some every now and then or more often for some of us we need some support we need a handout we need a, not a handout handout but a hand to grab us and pull us up so much right. you know or to, to push, hold us up when we're leaning Absolutely. back And, you know, Tommy, I just wanted to say that we don't we don't endorse 12 step programs here. I mean, we don't say you in order to successfully complete our program, you have to wind up in a 12 step program. Our model, we meet people where they are. There are many people with self-directed recoveries. There are many people with faith based recoveries. So, you know, we we believe that people, again, uh, know their direction and their journey better than we what we want to do. We don't empower anybody. We just try to try to provide the atmosphere for them to find um, that journey, that journey home. And home is not a destination. Home itself is a journey. No it's continual self di- self direction towards a sense of wellness. It may not be abstinence. I mean, there there are fine people that 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 go home and take a drink every night. Fine. Sure. And then you got crazy. You got you got people that are just mean spirited to the bone that don't touch a drop. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Not, so you, you want to say, Hey, just take a drink and relax. The funny part about a lot of this, and we're going to go to break now, but the funny part is like, it's what you're saying is, and I don't mean funny, ha, huh, but like funny, like it's we're individuals and how we need to do this. And, you know, like I've even considered over the years, it's, I, the reason I quit drinking, the reason I don't drink are not exactly the same, but it's, it's what I've locked onto as to why I continue not to drink because mm-hmm. of the four children of my wife and that family environment. And I will tell you this, Joe, and we'll go to break right now. I know you're waiting for a break, Kyle. Here it comes. When we, with the thing is people, you know, the life I have and the evolution that you talked about earlier in this segment and who we become, Mm-hmm. I, it, it's a different trajectory than the guy who is drinking. And that's personal, though. That's my deal. It's not everybody's deal. This is Philanthropy and Focus. That's Joe Turner. I'm Tommy D. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's right. Nonprofits do need connections to move in good directions, right directions, all different directions. But right now, we're not about the connections. Right now, we're about amplification, baby. And here it is. We're here, Joe Turner, CEO and co-founder, Exponents, making an incredible impact. Joe, you know what I say about your organization? And if I haven't mentioned my friend, Regina Edwards, Regina, hey, what's up? Um, I hope you're listening. to. Um, But what, what I always tell Regina when I talk to her is I love going to your office. It's the best view, in my opinion, for my money in New York City. Looking, <laughs> looking over Liberty State Park where you guys are down in in downtown. So I want to talk about that part of the city. I, I should mean, turn. I should turn the camera around. So yeah, you can, can, can you maybe when we come back from the segment. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> you have that view from your office. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I mean, and I'll, a- I'll tell you how we wound up. How we got from a church basement on the Lower East Side in 1988 sharing the space with a homeless men's shelter, smelling crack while we're trying to teach folks recovery. Wow. The journey from there to here. Yeah. Well, I I would like to hear that story, but wow. Really tempting people. The crack is in the building. It's in the building. It's next door. Wafting in. Yeah. I I don't, that's a tough one. All right. So I want to thank Regina for, for making this happen and shout out to the organization. I love the, maybe when you come back, you will she's show me the yeah. yeah regina no. is she's our chief financial officer but more than that she has really sort of steered this this nonprofit ship uh you know over the last 20 years um where we've had some tough times but we've never missed the payday um she puts not only her brains into it she puts her heart into it shows up and suits up every day for work um we're never going to let it she thinks she's going to retire soon. 
Nah, baby. Hold on, she's texting me. She's texting me. She's saying, what are you guys talking about me for? I know, right, right, right. Well, she's going to get me. Oh, you're in trouble. Right, right. I love her. (laughs) So I want to ask you, so lower, you said Lower East Side? Yes. So, uh, you know, I was going to bring it up earlier, but I'm just going to say it now. Do you, um, are you familiar? I I don't know how you guys wouldn't know each other, but Avenues for Justice, my friend Angel Rodriguez. Do you know Angel? You mentioned him. We talked about him, but I do want to meet him. I hear he's doing great work. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alternatives to incarceration. Come out of the Lower East Side, you know, 70s, which I, again, uh, I don't know this. I only know this from story, but it was, uh, I'm told, a war zone in the in the 70s. And it was, you know, very, very challenging. But they, I went and I did a day of service with, with his group. And he was actually, um, Angel was uh, a finalist in the New York City Imagine Awards where I saw Regina yes. uh, the other night and last week. And shout out to Ken Serene in the Imagine Awards. Very, very well done event. Um, the 10th anniversary of Long Island Imagine Awards. I, I digress. But if you want to know more about that, Tommy D at philanthropy and focus.com, send me an email. Focus is P-H-O-C-U-S. Only in the attic. That's how we spell focus. You know, I don't, I, the rest of the world, I don't think they spell it that way, but that's how we spell it here. So, uh, so that was really a special event, but Angel and his organization, they advocate on young people in the black and brown community specifically that get, you know, I'll use, this is my vernacular, get jammed up in, in the system. And without having somebody there to advocate on their behalf, uh, you know, they, they can, things can go really bad and yeah. they, and they might have just got made a mistake or got involved with the wrong crew or whatever the, the situation is. But I will have to make that that connection for you and Angel and his team. So yeah. I think there's overlap and opportunity. That's what I'm Absolutely. all about. It yeah. intersects. You know, you know, we talk about intersection. And if you look at some of the inequity in life itself, I mean, everything from substance use disorder, health inequity, racial inequity, income, all of these seem to intersect, you know. And the best example, you know, we cannot treat uh, substance use disorder in a silo because um, there are other systems, there are structural systems that will exacerbate addiction. Um, So we have to provide a holistic approach to absolute, and this includes, you have to address mental health. You have to address where someone lives. I heard somebody say that what recovery is, recovery is housing. Recovery is community. The opposite of addiction is not abstinence, but the opposite, the opposite of addiction is connection. It's you community. Go to program, right? Because if you go to program all day, yeah. you go back into your neighborhood where... Absolutely. I say it all the time. How strong, how disciplined can somebody be when it's in there, right back in your face, and it's what the community is doing, right? Right. So we have to address... And what we try to, to the best of our ability, to address issues of, of housing and family and community. Uh, you know, there's a saying in the Native American community. Uh, there's an organization called Wellbriety that addresses alcoholism within the Native American community. And, and their saying is, uh, it, this cannot be done in a vacuum. They say to injure one is to injure all. But to heal one is to heal all. And they look at recovery as the amends that someone makes to the community. So I, I love that global concept that I'm not alone, that, that what I do, and that's been a part of Exponents. But that's a responsibility uh, thing, too. That says, like, oh, I'm not a victim, but, it, right. but I'm responsible now. And what I'm I respo- do yes. ripples out. So yes. I, it's not just about exactly. me. 
recover, right. Recovery is that is that pebble that ripples out. It, it's like recovery goes outward. It goes first. It goes to self, then it goes to family, and then community. So for somebody to come here in these beautiful offices, Tommy, yes. and then get on the A train to go back home to a shelter, um, you know, it it it, it, it really disrupts, disrupts the continuum of wellness. So, so uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many boy, questions my boy my boy so <laughs> the thing is this like i because I, my mind it's yeah. like uh it's like the you know the train station the old thing that used to that like yes that, my, my brain i try to keep up with it sometimes it's tough like where do you i i, I don't I'm, i'll mention angel and his organization again because one specific thing that he shared with me when i met with him a few months back during the summer was the way their funding comes from is or, or they don't take funding government money because their programs would then be restricted from a time frame perspective. Okay, that's program says in this box you have six months to work with this right. individual. Mm-hmm. To your point, and what Angel and his team, Gamal, and the, and the folks over there have shared with me is that it isn't just let's deal with this case in this little box. It's the, the holistic angle of what you're talking about, Joe, where we go into the communities, we go into the home, we buy kids food who don't have food. Like this is like, why, you know, why does this guy end up getting in trouble for stealing? Cause he was hungry because he was, cause he doesn't have what he needs right. or there's no family structure there. So um, when, when it comes, to, when somebody enters exponents and the, the thing I didn't read from the, the upfront thing, which I I'm aware of, uh, just from my connection with the organization, is many of the people who are employed, and many might be the wrong word, but a number of your employees have come through programs of the organization. I mean, what better way to, to and you said we don't empower people, but I would, I might argue that in, in some scenarios, I think that is an empowering situation because you said you, um, you provide an atmosphere. And I understand what you're saying because meaning the people are empowered. It's all internal. You're just helping them and supporting them. That's, that's what you're saying there. Um, I just think from a, from a perspective of, wow, I go through the program and now I'm an employee in this organization working with people who are challenged in the way I was challenged. And I, I'm the, the, the poster child of, I did this. I, I came through this and so can you too. So talk to me about somebody comes to the organization. What does programming look like initially? Like, how does that you you it, we said you meet them where they are, but give me an experience. So so and before we even do that, if if you're listening to this show and you're having challenges around substance abuse, you Joe, how do they get in touch with exponents anyway? Let's just tell them that, and then we'll tell them what they get. Right. Well, you can uh, go straight to our website www.exponents.org, um, and information regarding. Uh, the array of programs we have and how to get access to them is located there, or you can call directly uh, at 212-243-3434 and uh, speak to the operator and she will direct you uh, to the appropriate program. Um, and you know, Tommy, so much of our, so much of our uh, clientele and the uh, participants in our programs, it comes from word of mouth. You know, word of mouth, one person going through saying, look, there are solid people here. I I just want to address something also in terms of uh, angels not taking government money, grants running out. And then what do you do? Uh, Again, thanks to Regina Edwards and Samantha Lopez, who's our 
chief operating officer, they, they've been able to uh, raise additional ev- uh, revenues through FIFA service program, through fundraising, which you support, that uh, once we, once we uh, have a program that, that begins, we are looking for every means necessary to continue that. Um, if it's impossible, we'll look for every means necessary to put that staff member on another grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and every means necessary to support that initiative, not with time-limited grant funds, but with consistent fee-for-service revenues um, and fundraising. And uh, Regina's done a great job uh, with that. You have to be creative, Joe. And I want, we're going to do another break, but when we come back okay. to programming, but I, I'd love to talk more about that because yeah. a lot of the people that listen to this show are either leaders of up-and-coming organizations right. or... You know, I told you I was in my class last night, Institute of Nonprofit Practice. These are people who are on the on the uh, on the move up in their organizations and will be leading organizations. So I yeah. want So we'll yeah. talk about funding and, and being creative when we come back. We'll also talk about programming. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, Kyla Williams, my buddy, Regina Edwards, checking in on Facebook and Mick Collins. So thank you for checking in on Facebook. This is Philanthropy and Focus, Joe Turner, Tommy D in the attic. We'll be right back. the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you a cannabis enthusiast, a cannabis professional, or interested in entering the cannabis space? I'm Johnny Tsunami, and this is Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. On our show, we will discuss the cannabis world through the perspective of various cannabis professionals. Tune in every Thursday evening, Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m., Talk Radio NYC, Planet Baco Lolo, a less taboo view. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. 
All right, listen, that's not a question. That is a command. Come through the static. Join me in the attic. But literally, like, don't show up at my house, man. Like, don't show up on my porch. Like, virtually join me in my attic, everybody. And do it every Friday morning so you can hear the amplification happening in real time. My guest today is New York, is on the co-chair of the New York State Harm Reduction Association, a member of the Board of Directors for Exodus Transitional Communities. Uh, he's also the co-chair of the Harm Reduction Committee of the Association of Substance Abuse Providers of New York State, a member of the New York Certification Board and Executive Committee of NYSOASAS. That's a lot of, and that's the recovery implementation team over there. Um, one more. I got one more accolade for you, Joe. That's <laughs> Um, former president of the board of directors for Friends of Recovery in New York, and the acronym there is FOR. I'm, I'm a Mets fan too. Yeah, baby, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Now wait a minute. Let's so a, a Brook, Brooklyn kid, right, and, and becomes a Mets fan. What is there a story there? Closest thing to the Dodgers. I mean, yeah. I, um, I'm not going to say anything about the Yankees because I'll wind up in a tirade. But let me just say, I'm glad to say, I'm proud. I've never set foot. And Yankee Stadium. Old or new? Old or new. In your whole life? Yes. Wow. Let me tell you a quick My story. Dad would be proud. Yeah, he would be very proud that you know. Wow. I, listen, I grew up a Met fan. I, I have been to, I don't think I've been I I was definitely at the old stadium. I, I think the new stadium when it was being built, my um my wife's uncle had a hook and we were able to go up there and actually like when they were building it and yeah. actually see it. It was like the Friday after Thanksgiving. But I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Um, you know, my mother-in-law is a big Yankee fan. Okay. And my older son and her were hanging out and she thought it would be funny to like to try to turn him into a Yankee fan. Okay. Mm. And I didn't think it was as funny, Dolores. It wasn't funny. Okay. Right. Giving me the business and it's not, she, funny. It's not, not funny. funny. No, we don't think it's funny. If you're listening or watching, not funny. So here's what happened. So my guy, um, I take him one day, he needs a Jersey for school. Like, and he's got this whole angle. Now, today, I talk about the Halloween parade. He's walking around the Halloween parade with a Manny Machado jersey. And his whole <laughs> angle is he he says that that's his Halloween costume and he ends up getting a free jersey. Like, we buy it. Like, I guess my wife's like, oh, we'll buy you this for Halloween. And that becomes his costume. So he's got, like, all these. Wow, that's slick. Slick kid. So I, he, I'm at the Target or whatever. He needs a jersey for school. And, and he, he thinks he's going to be a Yankee fan. It's like four or five years ago. I tried to explain you're not going to be a Yankee fan for a couple of reasons because we're Met fans. And the second reason is I'm not driving up to the freaking Bronx for games, man. I'll take you to City Field. It's right here. It's no big deal. It's on our island. I'm not going to go up to the Bronx. And and you're buying the jersey. And he goes, I, I don't want to buy the jersey. I don't want to spend my money on the jersey. So I said, well, then you're getting a Met jersey. And that was how, so that was the start of it. Then my buddy and I, we take him to the game where Pete Alonzo ties the uh, – the home okay. run. I'm, I'm running late from a nonprofit meeting. So it already happens that Friday night. And then Saturday night, I get him and my older daughter at that game Saturday night where he beats the record. And that, that sealed the deal. So for better or for worse, this kid is a Met fan for the rest of his that's life. Great, great. Yeah, my, that's great. My son is still a Yankee fan. Is yeah. he really? So this therapy available that we're electroshock therapy. This we're looking at ways. Anyway, it. Let me tell you. I, uh, about some of our programs, Please. I think yes. mentioned uh, left off on that. Again, I, I gave the number. You know, we have uh, about twelve, uh, I'd say fourteen different uh, human services programs. That um, when someone walks into the door, all of our services are co-located. It's one-stop shopping. So 
for issues related to uh, substance use disorder. We have a recovery center. We have a licensed uh, drug treatment program. Uh, we have a program for people that maybe have not stopped using drugs that are still contemplating it. And we have, these are, these are low threshold services. So we're not demanding that somebody sign a pledge in blood. I'm never going to use drugs for the rest of my life. But we just want to put them in an atmosphere where they can make choices. And I'll tell you, the data shows, because we, we, we report our um, activity, the data shows that when people come in and they still, may still be using drugs, having gone through several of our programs, well over 90% choose to go into treatment or choose to address it um, through other uh, recovery mechanisms. But is it, Joe, is it there, you know, you're, again, setting the right atmosphere, as you talked about earlier, it, it, you know, I, I've heard this my whole life, and, and I, I'll tell you, honestly, I'm being real open today, but I've experienced it in my own life, how many times I said I was done drinking, you know, after a rough weekend or whatever it was back in the days when I was tending bar, but you're allowing this individual to when they've made the decision because you know you you have much more clinical background than i i do certainly and i don't have any but even just having conversations like this that individual has to make this decision and the word decision meaning to cut off from anything else right so it has to be their decision so you can set it up and you can be, be the the um uh, you know, the facilitator, if you will, for lack of me thinking of something else to say, but they have to make that decision themselves. Yes, yes, they have to. And I think with our approach in terms of this compassionate engagement, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, the, the, the beauty of providing options. In other words, I'll give an example. Somebody says, you know, I, I, I want, I, I had an appointment at at this place, I didn't go because, you know, I got high and I just lost track of time. So instead of us saying, you know, you, 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 you worthless piece of garbage, what are you trying to do? You kill on yourself. We're saying, well, look, you know, those things come up. And let me tell you, and the ultimate and in, in the ultimate result of this, did it hurt you or did it did it harm you? You know, because you have a choice. Uh, and then when we put it in that perspective that they actually do have a choice. They are making the choice, not we're not making the choice. You know, as much as we do, all the good work that we do here at Exponents, we're not getting, we cannot get anybody high. We cannot get anybody sober. Uh, but we celebrate every, even small incremental steps towards wellness and a self-directed life. So we have a GED program um, to, to complement uh, the uh, the, 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 the other programs. We have a prison reentry program where individuals are released and we connect them to services. We have a professional training program. You know, you, you mentioned people, Tommy, that want to work in the field. Uh, those certifications we have for someone who wants to become a recovery coach, uh, a credentialed substance abuse counselor. We offer those programs as well. So we try to have that constellation of wellness. So when you walk in, uh, it's almost like a buffet. You know, you got your tray or you're on the line. So I'll take, you know, I'll take this, but I won't take this. I'll take this, but I won't. So it's a buffet of low threshold services. And what does that mean, low threshold? That means that, um, that 
to gain access to our services, uh, you don't need to be abstinent, you know, that um, you don't need to have everything together. We'll help you get your life together. That if you show up and sit down and talk to one of our staff, we'll look at the needs and we will try to fill those needs. As opposed to saying, well, you need this, this, and this car, this form, everything before you can get in. So that's what we that that threshold to the door is low. So you can just ease right on in. I love that because again, this isn't easy stuff. It, it, you know, as much as you know, we're talking about the, the individual has the power to make the choice. Yes. Okay. Well, th- that's awesome. And that's great in it. You know, in an academic sense, in, in a real world sense, it's like, I don't necessarily feel like I can make this choice as a, as somebody who, who you know, if, if I'm an addict, I, I might not feel that way because of whatever, hundreds of Imagine talking to someone who's been in your shoes, just where you are, who sat on the other side of that interview. Yeah, right. And can say, yeah, I get it. I, yeah, right. You're saying they, they can say, I get it, man. And what were the, what were the designations that, that some of your individuals who've come through the program and then become certified in? Yeah, well, they can become, I, the, uh, we offer trainings, a 30-hour training for those who want to become a recovery, a recovery coach. A recovery coach is, uh, the best way to put it is like an ally in the step towards recovery in terms of checking on someone during the week. If they do choose to go to meetings, maybe go to meetings with them to check not just on drug use or lack thereof, but how are things with the family? Uh, how are you doing with your health? Have you made it to a doctor? So they're really establishing a therapeutic alliance without it being uh, clinical. You know, um, I, and then we also have the standard clinical uh, counseling for those who want to become, who want to work in licensed drug treatment programs. Uh, and they'll call, they are, uh, the title for that is Credentialed Alcoholism and Substance Use Counselors. Um, that's the more formalized uh, uh, occupation. We provide that training as well. I, I just, you know, it, it's coming up for me, Joe. So I just have to say, I, I yeah. would, what better scenario than somebody who is in recovery to be giving back? What, what does that do for the, the, that individual as to, you know, maybe I felt powerless and now I'm actually controlling my own deal and influencing and impacting what's the ripple effect i mean i literally have chills on my body right yeah, now yeah what is that that's game changing yeah tommy you said it before it's connection if you look at addiction it's a it's it's a self-centered selfish isolationist activity at the very end you may start out right. you know drinking and, and getting out with friends but eventually that continuum of substance use disorder winds up in a room alone, yeah. in, uh, in a, an apartment alone, on a roof alone. Yeah. So if it's that isolationist, then maybe, just maybe, I don't know, not an expert, just maybe the antidote to that is connection. The antidote to that is selfless activity. So if I'm sitting next to you and I am just at my bottom and I have nowhere else to go, and you tell me, you say, Joe, you say, look, you don't have to take the elevator all the way to the bottom. You can get off any time you want. I did it. I, and this is what I did. That establishes, a, as I said before, a therapeutic alliance. I'm not alone. Tommy's my boy. My boy, he checks on me. You know, And, and the love is without condition. 
I love so unconditional love, compassion, connection. Wow, that's yeah. what a show we have here. Absolutely. Or not, we got one more small segment when we come back because I want you to tell me what does the organization need, what types of relationships, who might you be looking to connect with, things like that. Uh, maybe there's, maybe there's an event or two coming up, but this is how fast this show goes, especially when you got two guys that are bringing you really strong, important information. So Joe Turner is here with me. I'm Tommy D. This is Philanthropy and Focus. We'll be right back. Thank you, Tommy. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. All right, we're back. This is, uh, if I was a game show host, Joe, you might not know this about me. A lot of people don't, but I always wanted to be a game show host. So if I was a game show host, this would be the part when we go, this is the lightning round. This is the lightning round. This is sort of when we have to close up and, and draw our show to a close, draw our conversation to a close. But the one thing about this program is I'm going to do this show as long as I'm around. So Joe Turner, I'd always love to have you back. If, uh, oh. if you had enough fun and you, you made an impact, I'd love to have you back. All right, I'd be glad to, I'd glad to come back. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me, um, when you think about your organization as the leader, and you, you've already said you send your kudos out to Regina and Samantha and all the work they're doing. And, you know, uh, you, you know, none of these organizations are run without a strong team. And, and I've met the individuals in your organization, and they do great work. When you think about it from from your perspective, strategic alliances, whether they be with other organizations, that there could be collaboration, strategic alliances with for-profits that there might be some alliance and some that would make sense for collaboration there uh tell me about that the future of the organization what what do you need how can we help is really my question right well you're absolutely right in this atmosphere uh with this fog of uncertainty um i mean it was exacerbated by covid and just the nature of nonprofits um is that you know we're not a uh a, a a corporation uh, that sells widgets and can project sales and and come and do what we want. We are in 
the business of providing charitable services, and many of them are time limited. So that type of, un, uh, of uncertainty of necessity produces strategic, strategic alliances. Uh, and we have a number of them with other nonprofits, where, for example, if you come to exponents with, uh, let's say, issues of mental health, we don't have an outpatient mental health uh, clinic, but we have strong alliances with several providers. Um, so strong that our counselors will, will have bi-directional referral agreements, but it goes beyond that in terms of uh, even case conferences on participants that go to both agencies. So, you know, there are wraparound services, so to speak. Um, we're also looking to expand our fee-for-service or non-grant um, portion, non-governmental grant portion of our budget. Um, I mentioned the training before. Uh, our substance abuse, substance use disorder program, and again, that language, it, it, it's not substance uh, abuse. You know, um, many folks I knew of that, that got high, they did not abuse drugs. They took very good care. <laughs> they, didn't, they, were, they were very protective of the staff. They were very protective. They kept the liquor wet and the dry goods dry. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other thing. So, um, but in, so we're in our substance use disorder clinic, we're looking to expand our revenue of Medicaid dollars. This will allow us to free up money that's not restricted by grants and supply some of our needs, like our GED program. That's not funded. We're, we're doing that. That's not, that's not funded through, through grant dollars. That's, that's something. It's uh, not funded, funded through, through grant dollars. Money. You have to go get that money somewhere else. Absolutely. And again, uh, Regina has done so much to, to raise money for that. Also, I, I want to give a shout out also to Kyla Williams, who is the administrative coordinator of our training program, uh, expanding the scope of that. So, uh, so as a nonprofit, we're looking to expand our uh, non-committed revenues so we can plug some of the gaps in service. Mm. So how, how, do you, how do you do that? I mean, again, maybe, you know, there's such a lot of strategies, I guess, but is it, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think a lot in terms of, and I just had this conversation uh, with, with somebody recently who, who runs another nonprofit organization and they're looking to, they, they have a great program and they're looking to expand, but they're having challenges with, with bringing in dollars. Yes. And I look at it as not that I have all the answers and I think I have a few answers, but I'm like, well, let's find a business that is, is germane to what you do. When I say business, a for-profit entity that, does, that has sales and revenue that would love to connect with what you're doing. Lee Silberman, who's the uh, CEO of uh, Habitat for Humanity, Suffolk County, soon to be Habitat for, of, of Long Island because they're combining these two organizations. But before he was a CEO there, he was in the for-profit sector for many, many years and had an alliance with Habitat. So when they were ready to find a guy he was the guy when he was yeah. done with his for-profit work and he had served on the board. My point of bringing that up is talk about social responsibility. Talk about us as a, as a society, realizing that our companies should be involved and should be giving back and matching programs and all this type of stuff. There are organizations, business with Israel. Let me use the word businesses to refer to that, 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 that 
should align with our organizations in your and again not to get the let the cat out of the bag as they say but is there any that you might be courting even if it's a certain industry if you said to me you know what tommy you know joe you know at the end of like commercials when when like um like if it's a, a, a something about gambling they say if you have a gambling problem call this number or the alcohol companies will say if you have a drinking problem call this number yes that to me I don't think that's just for advertisement purposes. I, these companies feel that they have a level of responsibility. This is my opinion. I haven't read this anywhere, that they have a level of responsibility to, they know they have addictive products and they know that a, a certain segment of the population is going to get hurt by this. So they yeah. have to get out in front of it. So are there certain companies in your, either that you're looking at, and you don't have to share it by name if it's something that you're looking towards, but, but maybe some industries that we can think of in terms of might be good alliances for you. Well, I mean, that's, you're right on point with that. I mean, we're, we're always looking for partnerships. We've had um, support from uh, for-profit corporations. Uh, um, you know, we, we, we bank with a certain banker uh, uh, that has provided support. We have a board of directors, uh, many of whom are working in the private sector that have just been great in uh, providing fundraising opportunities by going to their companies and showing up, I mean, the support just as you have done, uh, Ken, at uh, fundraising events. We're, we're also looking, you know, in this atmosphere uh, as well, um, mergers and consolidations are increasing in the nonprofit field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're looking to plug not just holes in services, but expanding the reach of those services as well. Um, we're, we're, we're not uh, looking to merge uh, right now, but we have been approached. Uh, we're finding out that our alliances with other agencies are meeting some of those needs. So, you know, we're, we're, we're open uh, to what's, you know, coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll evaluate it and, and provide due deliberation. Um, but we're, we know that uh, in this, you know, day and time, uh, that very few agencies can just you know, hang out their shingle and do their business without establishing these strategic alliances. No doubt. Two of my favorite words, strategic and alliances. I love to put them together because it's important. I think that's what, that's partnership too. That's what that is to me, right? It's like, you know, and I think in terms of this, I hate to speak with and paint in such a broad brush, but there's a lot of duplication in the sector there's a lot of agencies maybe even on the same block when you talk about new york city that are doing very similar services that that i'm not necessarily calling for consolidation of the the sector but it's coming and people have to think am i a buyer am i a seller am i aligning am i what am i doing here and and that's we could talk more about that and i've I've had conversations with my friend ken serini over at serini and associates for many many years about just that topic joe believe it or not that's an hour we wow. are time. I got to get you off to a meeting. I got to get to an 11 o'clock meeting. So I, I just exponents.org and give me that 212 number again if somebody needs it's, you. Absolutely. Area code 212-243-3434. And um, again, uh, the operator will connect you uh, to the services you're interested in. Uh, you can call me. Um, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Joe Turner, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for being a friend. And I appreciate the incredible work you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Joe Turner. I'm Tommy D. This show is called Philanthropy in Focus. If you got to get me, check me out. TommyD.NYC on Instagram. TommyD.NYC. I'm on TikTok, Joe. That's all know the story. 
<laughs> next, next week on the show, Marisa Giranella Porco will be here from the Jordan Porco Foundation. Their their mission is to prevent suicide, promote mental health, and create right. a message for young right. adults. Tragically, her son, uh, you know, took his own life a number of years ago, and she. I love these people who see tragedy and they created an organization to address Absolutely. it. So, very special work, Joe. Thank you, everybody. Make it a great day. Make it a great thank week. You. I'll see you thank later. Bye bye. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. listening to talk radio nyc uplift educate empower Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.